This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Vocal Perspective. We have a first for our podcast this week. We have two guests. They're both from the CASA Board of Directors. We have the Director of Awards, Jess Chen, and Director of Technology, but I'm going to go into a lot more about her job, Shane Ardell. Hi, ladies. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Good. Hanging in there. I, it's such a weird thing to like ask, like, how are you? In this <laughs> like, day and age, right? In, on a scale of what? So let's jump right in and talk about how you ended up in acapella. Where did you first get the bug? I'll go first. So I grew up in a little town in Massachusetts, North Reading. It's about 20 minutes outside of the city. And the high school actually now has a pretty, you know, pretty reputable acapella group called Notorious. But at the time that I was in high school, there was not anything like that at all. I graduated high school in 2006. So kind of a little while ago. And I remember in high school, a friend of mine asked me, me to come to a random acapella event. I believe it was actually an ICCA quarterfinal. And I'd never seen anything acapella, contemporary acapella related at all before. And I was like, sure, why not? You know, I just didn't know what to expect at all. And I loved it. It just was not like anything I'd seen before. You know, all of my music experience up until that point had been much more classical. I'd been playing instruments and sang in chorus and but I'd never really done anything sort of more contemporary like I was seeing there. And it totally blew my mind. And I knew that when I went to college that that was something I wanted to do. So I went to Boston University for undergrad, participated in one of their co-ed groups there called the Allegrettos. And during my time there, I was a music director for a couple of years, I helped them record an album. And a lot of this, you know, was just like a totally brand new experience to me. But it was really cool to be part of the collegiate acapella scene. BU in particular has a lot of groups. I want to say it's maybe 14 or 15. Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a big undergrad population. So lots of groups for a big school. And, you know, the Boston area in general has a lot of groups. And so it was exposure to this whole new community that I didn't know anything about beforehand. So that was really, really fun. And was basically my segue into the community. After I graduated, I wanted to continue staying involved in acapella, but I wasn't really sure how. I continued to do some arrangements for some local groups in the area. Eventually, I started to write some articles for CASA, either you know concert reviews, album reviews, things like that. And at the same time, I was also volunteering for the Any Voices Festival, which is a local high school festival for high school groups. There's some middle school groups and even some elementary groups, school, school groups as well. But, you know, kind of just started dabbling in some things in the area here and there. And eventually sort of, you know, my trajectory kind of led me up in both of those areas. And so for CASA, I came on as the AVA's program manager, the Acapella Video Awards, started there, kind of brand new, did that for a couple of years, and then eventually sort of became program manager of that department as a whole, and then director of awards. And then for Any Voices, I was also sort of working my way up and I became a staff member, and then eventually became executive producer of that festival as well. And that's what I'm doing now. That's how they get you. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I'm pretty hooked. And how about you, Shane? People don't get to see you as often as maybe unless they're checking into an event, but I think everyone in the community needs to know that you've probably touched something that's very important to them at some point in their acapella career. So. Uh, yeah, I've probably at least handed them their badge at a festival, right? <laughs> Which is actually what it's funny. Well, sidebar, I am not the most outgoing or at least the most comfortable with people I don't know. And so registration is actually what, like the perfect job because I get to talk to everyone 
follow the same script every time, but like <laughs> really it's a good introduction to people. And then the rest of the weekend is so much easier for me from that because I know everyone's names. <laughs> yeah. So my, gosh, I grew up like music, music, music. I got like everything I could get my hands on. I did. And I mean, everything, including, you know, piano, guitar, handbells, chorus. Oh, everything. yes. Handbells. Oh my gosh, I played handball for seven years. I went to a handball conference. Imagine a gym, a high school gym, full of multiple handball choirs playing the same piece together, like directed by one person. It was, anyway, weird <laughs> niche, I know, but um, also like how much did I learn, right, about music theory and things like that. But all that to say, I was heavily involved in chorus music theater growing up, and there were basically a few guys that were really into rock cappella, mm-hmm. and they knew that I knew a little bit about music notation, and they said, will you help us transcribe this thing so we can learn it and sing it? And I was like, okay. And so I did that, and I kind of kicked everything off. I think maybe after doing a couple things for them, literally just transcription, I started actually arranging in high school. It didn't like, it wasn't used by anyone, but my first arrangement, I think I did at 16 and I did like a ensemble thing of more than words by extreme. Um, (laughs) It's a good starting point. So then, you know, and then being involved in, in the choral world, I had a really hard time deciding what I wanted to do for a career actually between trying to do something in music and I wasn't even sure what that would be. Or I was also a tinkerer, right? I was also interested in the engineering world. And I had actually had a lot of interaction with the choral department at Georgia Tech. Growing up, I'm from Atlanta. And so I kind of, when it came time to make a decision, it was like, okay, I can kind of have a little bit of both, right? I can follow one for my career and there's still a choral department, right? I can still do all of that. So I go to college. My second semester, I didn't know about the groups on campus my first semester. My second semester, after the first chorale rehearsal, a couple of people cornered me, and it was the (laughs) current music director and the current business manager of Nothing But Trouble at Georgia Tech, and they cornered me, and they literally said, we have auditions tonight, come. And I said, do I have to prepare anything? And they were like, you can sing Amazing Grace. We don't care. Like, just come. (laughs) So I went and the history, right? It just was such a good musical outlet, right? Because you you not only were participating, but you also like do a lot of creation, right? In our world, there's a lot of value put on getting into like the arrangement side or the honestly songwriting side and all of that. And so like, that's something that we value in our community. And so that was a good thing, like above and beyond just kind of the structured traditional choral setting. But secondarily, and maybe even more so, it was in a world of men at an engineering school I had a group of 10 to 12 women that were also doing a really hard academic thing who also loved music that I got to see, like guaranteed for five, six hours a week, right? So definitely my deepest friendships from college are from that group, right? We actually have multiple couples, you know, between the guys and the gals group. My husband and I being one, my husband was in the male group. And we have a group of four couples that we still see every time we we go back to Atlanta. To this day, we call them our family. And (laughs) all four of the girls of the couples and two of the guys out out of the eight of us sang together. And it was just such a formative thing. You should get rights for Pitch Perfect, you know, (laughs) acapella boys and acapella girls. Based on a real story. But it's funny, yeah, that's our life. It's fun to watch 
things like that in the culture. So then fast forward to in college, my now husband, uh, boyfriend at the time, had heard about this little thing called Sojam that this guy was doing. Just um, a little tiny thing. Yeah, he was involved on the RAR forums and had heard about it and went, I think it's second year, he and another guy, and that he decided this was so important for networking and for informing what we do that he decided that we should all go the next year. But not only did he like recruit everyone from Georgia Tech to go, but I think everyone from a bunch of Florida schools, a bunch of <laughs> like he they literally he got half of Sojin there the next year. He was the unofficial Georgia ambassador. They called him out from stage, like said, thank you, you know, (laughs) all the work he did to get people there. And also his group competed that year and won. And so that was my my intro right into this larger world off campus. Right. And I mean, it it was like, it just seemed so big and exciting and, and innovative. And that's not the word I'm looking for. Inspiring. Like just to kind of see that oh, we're not the only ones. And there are people who are making a living at this. And oh my gosh, look at what, you know, Fork can do. Like that's with four people. Like, that's amazing. Well, it can bring down the ceilings. Literally, ceiling, <laughs> pieces of the ceiling falling. What Was that Naturally 7? It was one of the, I don't one know. Of, there was another concert. I think it was the box sets where I thought the whole balcony was going to come uh, down. Yeah, that so. was box sets in Naturally 7. Yeah. And so there was a little bit of, to be honest, and I hope he doesn't kill me for saying it, of my husband kind of getting involved in that world and, and eventually kind of stepping back and me kind of taking over if that makes sense. He became the Casa Georgia ambassador for a little while. And while he was doing that, and he and our friend from college, Steve Ryan, ended up doing sound for an ICCA. And they, I think it was Lindsay Howerton, called called and said, hey, we had a judge drop out last minute. Who, who do you know? And they were like, well, Shane could do it. She's going to come anyway, right? And so <laughs> I got into the judging scene, and that was really, really fun. And I started volunteering at SoDam and just all you have to do to move up in the ranks, as just kind of alluded to, is be reliable and competent and consistent, right? And so came back year after year, eventually took over the SoDam website, and then eventually was on the planning committee and then just moved moved up from there. For a lot of that time, Joe Antonoli was the director of technology and had been on the board for actually had quite a long run. Yeah, he did. Like 20 years or something ridiculous. Like he was just on it forever. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Joe, for all of the time you gave to this organization. Um, Yeah. And so I, I was kind of like working under him actually for a little while. I was getting compensated for some administrative work for CASA. And then he had ended up having an opportunity come up with his day job at the college he works at and said, you know, I don't know, I don't think I can give the time anymore, and recommended me to kind of take over her for his position. A lot of early Joe, days- let me just be clear, I was on the board at this point, yeah. and Joe, like, didn't even have to open his mouth. It was like, yes, like, everyone on the board was like, <laughs> yes, no I doubt. I fully believe that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the early days of that, there was a lot of just supporting existing programs. I had come from the events world, so I still highly involved there. At one point, we needed to rebuild the applicate software that runs the awards programs for us. And so did that. And then through that was highly, highly involved in awards. And then slowly we built that team up to kind of go off and be on its own. So I'm super, super thankful for Jess and everyone that works with her. And now I am thinking 
ahead, thinking forward about more technology things that would be relevant and valuable to our community. Cool. So CASA is about 30-ish years old now, and it has evolved like, you know, year after year. And as people come and go, it's evolved. How would you all describe CASA to someone that has never interacted with CASA? Because we do have a lot of singers from the barbershop world that maybe don't even know that CASA exists. So if you were to pitch it, how would you describe it to other people? I would say that, you know, it's an organization that, well, we do have, you know, our mission on our website, which I actually wrote down so I can read it, is to inspire a strong sense of unity by fostering diverse connections, supporting innovation, celebrating excellence, and sharing knowledge in the worldwide vocal music community. So, you know, CASA has its hands in all sorts of different areas of the acapella community. You know, they definitely are there to be an educational resource. They put on events. There's the awards program. And I think that, you know, their main purpose is to inspire the community, provide resources and and help connect people. So it's kind of all of those pieces of the mission, I think, that involves a lot of pieces. I mean, the contemporary acapella music community is only growing and growing. And so there's more people who are graduating college, more people looking for opportunities outside of college, more groups being formed. And so it's, it's a community that continues to grow. And I think that CASA is there to kind of help be a beacon, be a resource for people who are looking for more out of the community than maybe what they're getting sort of just on a local level, for example. I mean, one of the greatest things about the fact that they put on these festivals is that, like Shane said, there's groups that will travel from out of state and maybe go meet a group that they would have never had some sort of opportunity to run into in some different capacity ever before that. And, you know, there will be groups that stay in touch and and groups that will outside of that particular event will then do a concert together later on, or maybe work on some other project together, or two people will meet in some circumstance and, you know, maybe work on something else like later down the road, you never know. So I think that that connection and that opportunity that CASA provides for people to meet one another who are all sharing a passion for something that, you know, is a niche thing, but that a lot of people in the community care very deeply for. And I think that really brings people together. And CASA is there to help facilitate a lot of that that collaboration. I think the only thing I would add to that is, you know, we had, we had our, our first board of directors retreat for the longest time this past October. And of course, we planned on doing another one this year, but uh, that'll have to be all <laughs> virtual, I'm sure. And one of the exercises we went through was really talking about, okay, wh- what, why do we exist? And, and not like what, what programs do we offer, but like, what is our actual goal? And that being the core of how we then like exist in the community and everything around that can shift and change, like the way that that manifests. So that I'll say that the the mission statement that, that Jess just read is very much that core, right? The programs can shift and change. They can evolve. Um, we can add more. We could drop some if they're no longer relevant, as long as all of those things are going towards that mission. And so I would say, yeah, the events around both bringing the community together, trying to give opportunities to people, education, and then awards with recognizing excellence. Those are really the two core things that have been long running, right? Or I guess long standing within the CASA's history and existence. And there's just an idea of, like, we don't want to compete with our community. We want to be relevant and provide value. And that will constantly shift and change. But as long as those things are pointing towards our greater mission, which we just revamped, then, you know, we feel like we're doing our job. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely, it's been interesting to see CASA, you know, 
reform and shape and reexamine every so often what their role is in the community. And I think right now you all are sitting in a really good spot, like everything that's coming out is relevant and still has its place, even though the community has grown and there are other organizations, there's still, you know, CASA is still kind of at the heart of all of that. So let's talk a little bit about, let's start with the awards. So let's talk about the purpose. You know, you you brought it up a little bit, but why does CASA bother to give out these awards? There's, you know, there's a whole slew of them, too, if you could go into the differences between the two programs. Yeah, so there's two programs. We have the Acapella Video Awards. Those are pretty new. I believe those formed in, oh gosh, 2016. Our first year was 2017. We started with a couple of video categories within the CARAs and then spun it out in 2017. And so that's still pretty new, but, you know, it's it's getting bigger every year, which is really exciting. And especially now that so many groups are online in this year in particular, and perhaps moving forward, I think that there's going to be a lot more video content than we've seen ever before. So there's a lot of room for growth in that area. And then the Contemporary Acapella Awards, the CARAs, which have been around for basically almost as long as CASA has. So yeah, those are the two programs as of right now. You know, there are a lot of reasons why we do awards. There's a lot of acapella music out there, which is amazing. There's groups of all sizes and all levels, you know, high school, even middle school in some cases, collegiate, post-collegiate that are releasing music. And I think that it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle because there's so much music out there. And there's not necessarily, you know, for someone who is either new to the community or even in the community, there's not always a great way. It can get very overwhelming to, to see that there's such a wide breadth of music out there and not really know where to start or not really know what to listen to if they're looking for anything in particular. And so, you know, to speak to CASA's the part of CASA's mission that is celebrating excellence. The awards are sort of meant to speak to that in particular. And it's a great opportunity for groups that are, are working really hard on their music to get recognized. The other thing that I will say is that there's a number of different types of competition opportunities out there for groups that are doing live music. Of course, there's varsity vocals and everything that they're doing. And they've been doing such an amazing, amazing job for the community. And they are, you know, a, a really huge organization and entity. And there's other competition opportunities at other festivals. And, you know, there's the Harmony Sweepstakes and so on. There's lots of opportunities like that, but there's not nearly as many opportunities as there are. There's not as many opportunities for groups that are more focused on recording. And we love that, you know, CASA is able to provide those types of groups, the ones who are more in, either more interested in recording or just want to get recognition for their recorded music, the opportunity to be able to do so. And yeah, I mean, it's of course, it's cool for the groups to get recognized. But I think that another really cool thing about the awards that we often hear from our judges and nominators is that they get exposure to new groups and music that they also would probably not have come across if they weren't participating as a judge or a nominator. And I think that that's also really special. It is really cool. I mean, I think I haven't judged in a in a couple of years, but the last time I did, I was on the pop rock um, oh category. That's a commitment. I reviewed those, like I know. I, I think that was the the last year that I did it was or no, like one of the last years I did it. It was pop rock. I think we were given like fifteen hundred tracks to listen yeah, to. Yeah, you probably got a little burnt out from. <laughs> I'm like, this sounds like the last one. <laughs> no, but like, I definitely when I do those things, and I also always love to judge or nominate in a category that I don't 
sing myself. So like mm-hmm. in the folk categories or the international categories, those are always really fun to listen to because you discover so many new groups that, you know, we just don't hear about. And then mm-hmm. you're able to to push them through and say, hey, more people should notice this group. So it's been really cool. Exactly. You know, when Deep started this in 1992, I started crossing in 1991 with the first newsletter. It's basically how people found out about each other was a literal (laughs) physical mailed newsletter. And he started this program in 1992. And it was of course, everything was announced in the newsletter. And it was really about community and exposure and opportunities and really just kind of like cross pollinating (laughs) within the community because he just he knew he knows a lot of things. He told us to start the Avas (laughs) when when we did. He he just knows that like this is going to be important moving forward. So Right. And and it has been. I know for my own group, we've had some nominations and a couple of wins. And it's it feels good to get recognized within your own community. But also, like, it does a great job of legitimizing acapella groups to outsiders, even if they don't know what the Caras or the Avas are. You put it on your group resume and you're like, look, I won this award from kind of like you know, and we call them the, you know, the acapella Grammys or the acapella video awards. So it does, you know, so much for these groups. So I I hope that more people recognize that it's not only exposing your music to everyone else, but when you do get a nomination or an award, it actually does a lot, not only for your self-esteem, but also, you know, advertising and marketing your group. Clients are much more willing to take a chance on you when you're like, look, someone said we were good. <laughs> An independent investigation. Some, in- yeah, some other organization that I definitely have no ties to told me I was good. But so the words are separate now. How do you all decide on the categories? Like, each year? How are those? Because they do morph and change each year. So what goes into those decisions? Well, there's a number of different types of categories as a start. So there's like the group type category, there's high school groups, there's the collegiate ones, and then there's, you know, semi-professional slash post-collegiate. And so there's groups of that, of all of those types that are always submitting. So you know, we know that those ones are pretty much going to be locked in stone. We have now grown to the point where we have groups represented from other continents as well. So we do have, you know, best European album, Asian album, etc. So it depends often on the types of submissions that we're getting. And those categories weren't there before, but we were getting a lot of categories or excuse me, a lot of submissions that fit that bill. And we're, we're always treading a fine line between celebrating excellence and also basically like not giving out too many awards and trying to like celebrate a lot of groups while also celebrating excellence if that makes sense because there are sometimes groups there are a lot of groups that will otherwise not like fit some other genre but they're really good and we recognize and our nominators recognize that they should be celebrated in an award in some way. And so there's sometimes where after reviewing the submissions and after looking at the nominations, where we recognize that we might need to tweak things a little bit to make sure that all the groups that our nominators and us as a team feel like should be recognized are being recognized in some capacity. So that is part of the process. Otherwise, you know, sometimes there are some years where there's just not as strong of groups 
or submissions in a particular genre. And so if that's the case, if if there's not stuff being nominated, then we don't need to include it for that year. So there's every year actually is a little bit different in terms of exactly what the full list looks like. And it depends really on, on the scope of what's being submitted in that particular year. But we certainly, you know, we do everything that we can to make sure that groups that deserve nominations and deserve that recognition are getting that recognition. And if that means that we have to tweak the mold a little bit in order to make that happen, then that's something that we'll do. Yeah, I'd say there's also some logistics in it of we just literally can't have one cult collegiate category, right? Because <laughs> we have to split pop and rock just because our nominators just can't get through the volume. If we yeah, and it's not together. yeah, and it's not fair to the groups to give a nominator like here's two thousand songs. Like you know, by song number five hundred, your your ears are like I don't remember what I'm listening to. So yeah, it's, it's as a nominator and judge, it's like, thank you for separating them, but also know that it's, it's more fair to the submissions too. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah, I think there's also a little bit of what do we want to encourage in the world? So adding a original song category encourages mm-hmm. writing original songs, right? So there's a little bit of influence that we might play a little bit as well around (laughs) just what are the opportunities or where is the potential for this art form moving forward? Right. And I know one of the more recent categories that was added was honoring arrangers. I know that had never been. So it's, it's nice to see new names because typically, I mean, you'll see the big names. You'll see Rob Dietz and Deke Sharon and Tom Anderson. But every once in a while, you see this new name and you're like, ooh, like I want to go check out the rest of their work. Yeah, yeah. And definitely paving the way for some some new young blood. But also, you know, not everyone does everything in every category every year and people who would normally just be behind the scenes, you know, bringing that forward. Again, we want to encourage people creating new things and not just doing the same arrangement of the same thing we've all heard a million times. Definitely. So as two people that have been deeply involved in this program, for someone that you know, is hesitant to submit or doesn't know, you know, what to do to to get themselves recognized? Do you have any advice for those groups? Well, I think that I would not recommend working on something solely for the purpose of trying to be nominated or trying to win Akara. I think that, you know, the most important thing that you can do as an artist is to stay true to yourself and create something that you are proud of. And that is something that is really like embodies you as a musician and as a creative person. So I think that you know, that is really important. And I think that authenticity is really important in music. And that's something that shows, you know, even though you're listening to this music, and you can't see that person's face, and it's blind judging, so you actually don't even know who it is that you're listening to necessarily. Authenticity really shows through. And certainly, I can tell when I'm listening to a piece or, a, you know, an acapella track, I can tell when someone is excited to be singing it. I can tell when someone has been working really hard on it. And you can tell when someone is singing in a more robotic manner or in an uninspired way that does show in music, just in the same way that it shows in a live performance or some other similar setting. It, it, is noticeable in recorded music as well. And so I think that in order to put on your best performance in a recorded setting, you need to be really proud of the work that you're doing and that you can do that best by singing something that really embodies you and that you're proud of. So that's the recommendation that I would give. I think that it's even better if you can do something that's really awesome and then it does get recognized for Akara. But I don't think that anyone who is putting together an album or 
an EP just for the sake, or even a music video, just for the sake of trying to win something is going to get very far. Every producer in the entire community just gave you praise hands and screaming, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because, you know, we hear clients say they come into the studio and they're just, you know, for lack of a better word, they're an average college group. They, you know, they practice twice a week. They do a couple of gigs and then they come into the studio and, and they use internal arrangers and they've never been coached. And they're a good group. However, they come into the studio and they're like, we want to sound like, and then they drop the Nor'easters album on our table. And you're like, well, the, you're not the Nor'easters, but there's plenty about you that is great. So let's focus on that. So it was really nice to hear you say that because more groups need to hear it. How about you, Shane? You have been through many, many rounds of this. Oh, gosh. I think, I mean, there is a little bit of, of, of a baseline of quality, right, that has to be met. I will say that, you know, there's there's all these different aspects that go into a recording. There's the arrangement, there's the quality of tracking and mixing, there's, you know, the intonation, there's, the and then there's, like, style, right, for lack of a better word, like, quality of singing and then, and, like, emotion coming through. And I think, like, you, you can't, ignore one any one of those right it has to have at least a baseline level of quality on all of those and then something outshines right you know we've had we've had you know tons of interesting discussions or seen really interesting things happen with the data of you know this thing this thing bubbled up that like we never expected or you know and and just out of 20 nominators um, listening to a thousand songs, this gem just comes through and and maybe it's not the most in tune. It's again meets a baseline requirement, but the mm-hmm. it's an original song written by a 16 year old that just like guts you, you know and so right. <laughs> there's you have and like Jess said, you have to do you have to use what you have, use your strength, use your voice, do something only you can do because the nor'easters, when they popped on the scene, they were doing something other people weren't at that time. That's why everyone right. wants to sound like them. So don't just be another one of, like, the <laughs> way you be another Nor'easters is to do something people aren't doing. Don't just try right. to sound, sound like someone else. Cool. So what would you like to see from groups you know, coming up? I mean, we're getting to this stage now where a lot of groups all have access to tuning software, pretty high-end producers that have now been doing this for a long time, better microphones, better everything. What, I mean, I know as the tuning software got more popular, it was like, okay, well, it's a little harder to judge on intonation because it's all been fixed. And sometimes you could tell just how much it had been fixed, Mm -hmm. but... Where do you see these go? Like, what do you want to see from the submissions? Because I know that the Cara ones are starting to come in and the Ava's just closed. But what would you like to see out of this year's season? I mean, I definitely would love to see even more original music. I know that this is something that is trending more and more as of late, but I love to hear really great original music. Um, So that's definitely something for sure. How about you, Shane? Yeah, I mean, that has to be the first go-to, right? Of like, again, doing something, you know, creating something new in the world. And there's also like, something impressive about if I listen to that and I, I don't know that it's an original song and it, it could pass as like something that has had millions of dollars of production behind <laughs> it like the original 
work. I, I don't know, like it, there's an, it's really impressive to hear something that is, for lack of a better word, has full instrumentation and is completely original. There wasn't any piece of that that was just transcribing something you've heard, if that makes sense. You know, it's every line, every background part, every drum beat came from someone's psyche. <laughs> and there's just, it's just, the, there's value in that. And to piggyback off of that, I actually also find myself really drawn to music where, or submissions where the song that they submit is a very different interpretation than what the original song sounds like. So it is a cover, but then in a lot of ways, there's a lot of creative interpretation. Sometimes people will take a pop song that they hear on the radio and they'll make it minor and they'll change the time signature and they'll just completely take things into their own hands creatively. And I think that that's also really interesting and in some ways almost harder to do than original music because it's hard to not get that song out of your head but to take that and maybe it's the lyrics that inspire you to move in a different direction or it's something else that inspires you I think that's also really compelling as well it is and it catches the ears you know anything that makes me perk up when I'm listening to these tracks like that's how you get the judge's attention but on the other hand you know we'll go back to the age-old fix you dilemma where you know hundreds and they still come in we still have groups that are recording and I mean and it's great if you love it's a great song that's why so many groups sing it but you have to sing it because you love it and like you said earlier not because you think it's going to win an award because you're going up against literally a thousand other covers of this same song yeah so you're you're signing up for the apples to apples comparison yeah yes you're definitely better with apples to oranges in these cases so I also wanted to make sure people knew that you know we see contemporary acapella as its own kind of bubble, but the Caras and the Avas also recognize other genres like classical and folk and barbershop. So what would you say to those groups of why submitting to this awards program matters? Well, to point back to our mission, one of the things that we specifically put in the mission is it doesn't note, notice that it does not say a cappella music community. It says worldwide vocal music community. And so we think that Every piece of the vocal community, music community, whether it be barbershop, whether it be something else, can learn things from the other communities. And I think that that is part of the reason why we have this, these categories included as well, is because it's a great opportunity for a college student who maybe has never heard barbershop before to go through the list of nominees or winners and get more exposure to these other groups and different styles of singing than they've ever heard before. I mean, all of it is just making music together as humans, I think is something that's really inherently beautiful. And there's lots of different ways to do it. And it's very easy to sort of just get in your own bubble, just be thinking about pop music or whatever it might be that you're covering as your own particular group. But the exposure to different types of groups are really important, just in the same way as even other collegiate groups or other groups in your own genre as well. So just any sort of opportunity that you can have to expand your knowledge about the vocal music community is going to make you a better and stronger performer, singer, arranger, record producer, whatever it might be. I think that the more knowledge that you have about the wide variety of types of vocal music 
that are out there, the better. Right. And, you know, this year, BHS just did their own category of awards and, you know, similar, but they had some different categories. But, you know, when I compare the people that are getting these awards and winning things in BHS versus the albums that come in that win, it's so nice to see that the somewhat different communities look for different things. And it's nice to see that, you know, it's not just gold medalists that are winning the Caras in the barbershop community. And it's not just world class, you know, the swingles don't win the classical category every single year. So it's nice to see that the judges are hearing and hearing things in different ways. So I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing barbershop (laughs) names that I don't know or classical group names that I don't know in the nominees. I was just going to add one thing. Like the human voice is so interesting, right? And versatile. And these different genres use it in different ways, right? And so being exposed to something that like, you know, I'm not going to sit down and hear barbershop on the radio. So like getting to be immersed in that category for a couple of months every year, right? (laughs) It's like, oh, man, like, can I do that with my voice the way that that alto just did that, you know, and it's just it's, again, it's just expanding our own art form. Absolutely. So let's turn our attention now to the video awards, because that literally just closed as of the recording of this episode yesterday. So it's the newest, it's one of the newest babies for for CASA. Where are you hoping these awards will go? How do you want them to grow? Well, I think that we'd love to see more and more submissions. I think that when these types of videos first started, it was pretty typical to do the classic box style type of video where every singer was featured in their own box and they were singing their part very energetically. And those were really great. But I think that videos are now a lot more innovative. You know, there's people who are sort of telling the story of whatever their song might be about in their video. We're getting videos of original music. People are are just doing a lot more interesting things. And so I think that there will be more creative submissions. This year will be interesting because I know that people can't necessarily meet in person. So we might actually have more box submissions. I don't know. I haven't checked uh, checked the, the full list yet. So who can say this year is a little bit of an anomaly, but I certainly would love to see them grow. Right now, the video awards ceremony is part of Laugh and it's part of the pro show in the evening. But you know, the Caras started the same way. And now the Caras have spun off and become their own ceremony still as part of the Boss Festival weekend, but they now have a dedicated several hour ceremony and brunch. And you know, it's a whole thing and the groups really get celebrated and there's presenters and it's really fun and really fun, I think, for attendees as well. And so I would love for the video awards eventually to have its own dedicated space within a festival or something else as well. So, you know, I think that it will continue to grow over time, again, with people being more reliant on technology, people putting videos together and doing more interesting things in order to catch the attention of audience members and other groups and other members of the community is going to be really important. And we'd love to celebrate that. Cool. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what comes out like this year and then next year too, because you're going to still get a lot more videos being created now into the 2022 awards. Good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm hoping that we see a lot more than just box videos, though. I think people now that they've been now that they've gotten used to doing videos at home, I think they're starting to get more creative. And I think ultimately, it's just going to lead to better videos overall for our whole community because people are learning new skills, right? I think so. It's the only way some people are getting to sing together at all. And so, 
yeah, and we're all getting crash courses on these things. And yeah, I definitely think hopefully one of the few silver linings of this whole time is that we come out with more people creating things. Cool. So gone are the days where people just shipped CDs to Deke Sharon's dorm room, right? (laughs) Nobody's sending in CDs anymore. It's a pretty complicated, you know, it's simple on the user's end, but it's a pretty complicated. Yeah, it's totally simple on the user's end. (laughs) I've been in every single angle of the of the Caras and it's so easy to use, but it's a lot more complicated on the back end. Shane, can you talk a little bit about all of that and how I mean, because the work you do is simply amazing. And literally, I just want to shout from the rooftops like Shane MVP. You truly have no idea. Anyone who's listening, (laughs) Shane does so much work for Casa. It's unreal. When I left the board, I'm like, can I take Shane with me like for my life? But yeah, for people that, you know, are just clicking some buttons and being like, here's my music. Like there's a lot more to it than that. Can you tell everybody kind of what goes on and what it took to get it that way? Well, I will say that, you know, there probably been more iterations than I know about how this whole process worked. When I first got involved in 2014, we had been on some software that George Hoffman had written by his, the kindness of his heart for Julia, <laughs> but they were still receiving physical CDs that they were then burning and, and ripping and, and putting into the system for then nominators and judges to have access to. And when I kind of this thing kind of fell on my lap, it was very much a, this isn't this hasn't been maintained in a little while. And B, we want to move to all digital submissions if at all possible. And so I think I sat down and I wrote the first version in maybe eight hours. It was, and there's been, it's touched it a lot since then, a lot of additions since then. But I sat down with some people who had been involved for quite a while and I kind of talked, we talked through, okay, what, what does this person need to be able to accomplish? What does this person need to be able to accomplish? And for anyone in the software world, you know, this is very much a normal part of the process. And really just, yeah, thinking through, okay, what is the simplest way for a user to move through for us to get everything we need and for this to be able to function for a long time to come and be flexible enough to grow. So for instance, when I first wrote it, the videos weren't a thing, like it just wasn't. So it was all about, okay, we have an idea of what are the things, what are our objects, right? We have, we have artists, we have genres, we have different ways of categorizing those things. We have albums and tracks and those things have actual media attached to them. Oh, and I have to store that. Then I have to stream that. But then, you know, and then this year we added some submission fees to kind of relieve the burden. If anyone who doesn't know, the only thing people were paying into CASA was donations and through event attendance. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't quite fair for events to carry the load of everything else that CASA does. And we definitely wanted the awards program to last for a long time, you know, no matter what happens with events or if we have a coronavirus year where, you know, (laughs) nobody saw that coming. But, you know, we want the awards program to live. We feel like it's our responsibility to keep this going um, and not let it die, right? And so, you know, so we've we've expanded it over time. There's also kind of all, even from the beginning, there's, and, and Joe actually, to bring it back, he very much had this vision as well of 
having a resource for people, having something like a digital archive that was available to the community. Like what a valuable thing, right? We have actually an incredible, because people were sending in physical CDs for so long, there is in existence an incredible physical archive that is just so hard to do anything with because it has to live in a place. It could burn (laughs) up in a fire, you know, like it's so fragile to do things that way. And so, you know, also kind of thinking of building this software for this maybe future life of being its own resource to the community where people could go in and look up Dave Sperandio and see everything he's mixed and then everything he's mastered. And then something that lives in that way that can just preserve history. Like if we if we aren't going to preserve some history like that we've kind of been entrusted with, maybe de facto, like who else is going to do that? Nobody's going to pour the resources into that. So we definitely, that's kind of where I get to start spending some time and some thought coming up is how do we have this incredible asset now? How can we make that available to the community? That's incredible. And I know that's been a goal for a really long time, but it's a lot of these were stored in Bill Hare's studio and you just went in there and it was just like, and you look through them and you're like, what a treasure trove. Like they should not be sitting in the corner of a studio, like as glorious as Bill's studio is like, it's so nice to hear that that is still a goal and like it's coming closer and closer to fruition because we can learn so much. I mean, so much acapella has turned into such an educational thing now too. So for people to be able to go back and be like, yeah, why is Dave so, so good? Like why, why does he win these awards? Why does Angela Ugolini like, why are her mixes so great? Well, if you can go and, and look at that, that would be unbelievable. And also, you know, to have your name attached to it, Shane would not surprise me. <laughs> in the least. <laughs> well, it, yeah, I will say that the, at least in Bill Hare's studio, it got some foot, some foot traffic, right? But, you know, I, it, it's, it's, it's not on him to kind of, he's helped, he's stewarded this so well for us for so long, <laughs> but uh, we don't want that to continue being a burden. And he's not the only one, but yeah, there's definitely a goal. And one of our, I will say one of our upcoming obstacles is the current software has everything in it from 2014 on. But there's a whole bunch of stuff from before that. And so there's definitely going to be some work of getting things in from the old system, getting things digitized that are only in physical form right now. But I I think it's going to be really valuable work. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you guys wanted to, to mention? Maybe a little bit about, you know, we have been doing a lot of thinking around um, diversity and equity and inclusion. Um, sure. And we've been going through a lot of exercises and really kind of coming up with, okay, where where do we fall short and where can we improve on all of those aspects? And what's the first thing? And then what's the next thing? And building this also kind of just into our framework so that because there's always going to be the next thing and making sure that we're kind of reevaluating often. And so through that, we've had a lot of talk about, okay, like how does our category, is our category structure encouraging only one form of thing, like one type of excellence, like, right? Excellence can come in so many different ways. And are our nominators biased towards Western pop sounding things? And, you know, as our common, our, our, foreign, I'll say, is the German song in the comedy category at a loss because the nominators don't understand the lyrics. And, you know, just like all these little minute things that we're definitely thinking about, like, how how do we make sure that we are recognizing quality for quality without any assumptions about what that has to look like? 
And there's been, speaking of like diversity and inclusion, and not to put you guys on the spot, but there has been a lot of conversation about gender in acapella, and the Karas and the Avas are still categorized by gender. Is there Has there been any talk of how to adjust that to be more inclusive? So this upcoming season, actually, we have renamed the categories that were formerly female collegiate, mixed collegiate, and male collegiate to upper voices, collegiate category, mixed voicing, as well as lower voices. And so I think that that is sort of a step in the right direction. It will still, you know, I think that there will take some time getting used to this new language change. And it's possible that, again, in some time that we may change those again. But we hope that by using that language, that that will make groups who have, you know, a variety of different people in their collegiate group feel more comfortable knowing like which category to submit to. That's awesome. I'll say we, we've been talking about that for a number of years, but I'm we didn't sure. want to just do what we thought we should do in terms of like, there were a lot of options for that we could move forward with. One was lumping all of collegiate together, which I mentioned would be somewhat just undoable logistically for our poor nominators to get <laughs> through that much vo- volume in a short amount of time. Another was, you know, do we add the word identifying? Do, you know, we came up with all of these ideas and then we we talked with people who know more about this than we do, who are in those groups that don't feel represented. And finally, this year kind of came to what we felt like was a great thing to move forward with. And but nothing sacred, right? If there's a better idea, we'll change it, you know? Exactly. And, you know, for the board is very active. You might not be like posting every day in the Acapella Now forum or on, you know, just generally on Facebook and Sometimes people come to events and don't even realize who's there running it. Like they don't realize like that, Shane, you are like the central nervous system. And they're like, she, she's the lady that gave me my badge. But I mean, you all are paying attention. So I, I encourage people to reach out with feedback kind feedback, constructive feedback, because just as a reminder, this is a volunteer board. These are people that are doing this because they love it, because they want to help the community. So, you know, and like you said, you've been considering these category changes for a while, but I appreciate that you're taking the time to think about it and to try to do what's best, even if it's not immediate change. Yeah, I think we don't want to be reactionary. And you have to be sometimes, right? Like you can't... (laughs) But thoughtful and intentional. Yeah. Well, I think we've made it to the end because we're going to do a special double (laughs) episode for this. But well, Jess and Shane, it was lovely to have you both here, especially since Rachel couldn't be here today. It was nice to have two people to kind of bounce ideas off of. But it's so cost has been such a central point of the community for so long. And it's doing some really great things and, and working really well to keep us together, even though we can't actually be together. It's great to see all these new programs. And I appreciate all the work that you do. And I, I think our listeners do too. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, and thank you as well for everything that you do in the community and for having us and for giving this platform for us to be able to speak and, you know, tell more people about what Casa has been up to. I think that what you've been doing here is really great as well. So we are very excited to be here. Of course. We'll